Hey friends, welcome to episode 24 of This Good Word. I am uh, sitting in my office looking outside, bright sunshiny day here in Minnesota after getting walloped by snow uh, last night. Pretty crazy. I think we got 8 or 10 inches. Uh, but I love winter. I love snow. Uh, actually, that's not true. <laughs> I just lied. Uh, I don't really love winter, but it sure is beautiful out there. It sure is beautiful out there. Uh, it's it's blue sky and white snow, and it is pretty to look at. All right, today I want to talk about circles. Uh, I want to talk about uh, this phenomenon that happens. Have you ever had someone say something to you, uh, and this someone that's not that close to you, but what they said went way too far in. And you found yourself uh, thinking about it a lot. You found yourself weighing it. Is it true? Is it not true? It kind of slimed you and you don't totally know why. Uh, maybe it was a boss who was careless with her words and it wounded you. Maybe it was a stranger uh, or semi-stranger who blew you up on Facebook. Uh, maybe you created something and it got reviewed and the reviewer threw you to the dogs. Uh, I don't know what it was for you, but I want to talk today about understanding the relationships in your life like a series of concentric circles. So like picture it if you were to look at a piece of paper right now and actually take out a pen and in the center of it, you would draw a sort of small circle and then you would draw another circle that would encompass that little circle and then you would keep drawing circles uh, on the way out, maybe four or five of them. Where you give the most power uh, to those that are in the inner circle, to those that are closest to the center. These are your close friends, your spouse, your family, uh, maybe not your family. Uh, but maybe these are the people that you trust your soul care to, uh, whoever they are, whoever they are. Uh, but they are in the center and where you learn to give most weight to them and less and less weight to those who are farther down the line in terms or farther away from the center in terms of your circles. So I want to tell some stories of how I'm learning to do that, and uh, we're going to take a look at how Jesus even did that. You know, we tend to think that Jesus uh, just had one big circle, and in one level, in one sense he did, in one sense he absolutely loved the world, that's clear. But in another sense, in the human sense, in the Jesus that had limits, he also seemed to have a little circle of three, and maybe even one, that uh, he really, really uh, let in, in terms of his soul. So we need to care for our souls, and this is one way to do it, to think about life in a series of concentric circles. It's not foolproof. You still got to work on it, but I found it to be pretty helpful. So uh, before I do that, though, a few things. I have, an, I have a couple events coming up that are really fun. This weekend, I'm going to be joining... Uh, a small group of 20-something people from New Hope Church in Crystal. This group is called Fusion. We're going to head up north uh, where there's a lot of snow, and we're going to talk about beginnings. Uh, I can't wait because we're going to center around some scriptures in a Socratic way. That's probably my favorite way of teaching. We're going to have lots and lots of conversations. We're going to probably stay up too late 
and it's going to be so fun. So Fusion people, I'm coming your way this Friday and Saturday and Sunday. It's going to be very, very cool. Uh, okay. Uh, the other thing is, I'm going to Steve Haynes and I. Steve Haynes is the associate pastor at Genesis Cove, where I work as well, and also one of my dear, dear friends. We're coming to Northwestern University in St. Paul, Minnesota, for chapel on Wednesday morning and Thursday morning, and we are going to talk about the great, big, good God, Uh, the God who is way, 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 way better than any theology we've ever read, than any relationship we've ever had, and uh, it's going to be so fun. So if you are a Northwestern student, can't wait to meet you, can't wait to see you, can't wait to be with you. Okay, let's dive into the topic. Uh, So maybe uh, 13, 14 years ago, uh, I write about this in my book, Beginnings, uh, a little bit, but I don't write about this particular story. So my wife Mary and I had moved to Detroit, Michigan uh, for me to work at a church, and the church was great, but I just didn't fit very well in it. And as I was figuring that out and learning about that, I got pretty depressed, pretty dark, And so I started to have conversations with people about what was happening in my soul. I was very sensitive, very tender. Uh, I was trying so hard to make it work, but it just wasn't working for a number of reasons. And so I had conversations with people about um, whether or not I should keep, whether I should stick in it or whether I should leave. And, uh, you know, I think sometimes you need to stick. Sometimes you need to leave. It's very difficult to know what time it is when it comes to that. So no real help there for me to you in that, except for have conversations. So I remember one conversation I had with this guy. I remember we took this long walk. I mean, it was like, man, probably three or four or five miles. We just walked and walked around neighborhoods. And this guy was great, really, really good listener. And um, But I didn't really know him that well. But he knew I was thinking about leaving. And so he wanted to have a conversation with me. And at one point, I could tell there was something he really wanted to tell me, which is okay. You know, people in your life, you have these, you know, sort of feelings that you need to have. But uh, the thing he wanted to tell me was this. He said, Steve, I hear you. I hear you want to leave. I hear you're struggling. But this is mainly what I hear is you just want to run home and like basically be comforted by your mom, you know, because, you know, you want to go back to Minnesota, you and you and Mary, and you just want to kind of bunker in with your family. And I don't think that's the right thing to do. Well, okay, fair point, fair point. Uh, I was thinking about leaving the unknown to go back to the known. All right, and in some circles, maybe even some ways that were that I've talked in the, in the, in the past, you know, it's always about leaving the known to go to the unknown. And man, a lot of the times it is. But when he said it, uh, I don't know something in my spirit. And I I have heard hard things before. I think it's important to listen to a hard thing. I think it's important to uh, let a hard thing in. But this is where circles come into play. Okay, this guy was not in my inner circle. He was maybe three circles out. And when he said it, it just didn't resonate. It felt more like, man, I can see one way in which that would be true. But I don't think it's true in this regard. Now, he wasn't militant about it. He wasn't mean about it. He wasn't lame about it. But in terms of um, really, really listening um, if I didn't have the category of circles where 
You know, I'm really going to listen hard to the people who are in the inner circle. And I'm going to listen to the people who are two or three circles out, but I'm going to weigh it accordingly, right? So I had another conversation with my sister, Lisa. And we were on a walk. I remember we were walking around the lake at my parents' cabin in Siren, Wisconsin, one of the most beautiful places in the world, to me anyway. And I was telling her all about how I was processing my feelings around being at this place and being in Detroit and really wanting to move back to Minnesota. And the thing that she said to me was, Steve, it seems like your heart is trying to tell you something. And I think it's really important to listen to it. Because I wonder, she said, if you stop listening to your heart, I wonder if it'll stop talking to you. And that, and now Lisa's in my inner circle. She's in the, you know, the inner circle. And when she said that, notice she didn't tell me what to do. Neither did this other guy, frankly. But uh, Lisa didn't tell me what to do. But she noticed the place from where I was speaking and feeling was not the periphery. It was my heart. I was using language like I feel like I'm drowning. I feel like I can't breathe and can't see. And I've tried really, really hard to make it here. It's been 13 months of really feeling underwater. And I don't know how else to try hard. I don't. And it feels like uh, I, I just I can't be me. And so uh, this is an example of listening to two different people, both of whom I really think had my best interest in mind. This other guy really did too. I mean, he wasn't. But, but the point is, um, I ended up making the decision with Mary and a few others to move back to Minnesota, to leave Detroit, to sell our house. And one of the reasons, one of the ways that I could tell that uh, I needed to do this is because the people in my inner circle were giving me the kind of advice that felt like it resonated. Now, pause. There is another kind of listening where the people in your inner circle only tell you what you want to hear. Because I can even hear that, like as a, you know, you're listening, you're running on the treadmill right now, you're driving to work right now, and you're saying, well, that's great. You know, if you just listen to the inner circle, they're just going to tell you what you want to hear. Right. And I think so, you know, make sure that the people in your inner circle are actually going to tell you the truth are actually going to uh, uh, going to uh, not just tell you what you want to hear, because frankly, I didn't want to hear stay in Michigan. I didn't want to hear you should stay in Michigan. But I think if Lisa and a few others in my inner circle would have really said that to me, um, I, th- I wonder I wonder if I would have given that more credence. So, um, all right, so here's another example. My wife Mary, just a few days ago, we were having lunch and the kids were at school and she just said, honey, how are you? And I said, well, I'm really tired. I was just out of town last week, all week in Chicago for this denominational thing, it was great. But I, was, I took a theology class. I stayed up way too late hanging out with friends. I was tired. And putting out a book is vulnerable and weird. And there's all kinds of stuff with that. And planting a church is hard. All that stuff. And I just said, honey, I really think I'm tired. She goes, yeah. She goes, I'm just looking at your face. I mean, your whole face looks tired. <laughs> Which is like, you know, it's like, oh, man. Um, and she's like, I'm concerned about you. 
Like, what do you need to do? And so she started to tell me what, you know, she thought I needed to do. Some things that she, and my wife is very chill about this kind of stuff. She's not chill in other ways, but she's very reticent to sort of tell me what to do. So when she does start telling me what to do, and she wasn't telling me what to do, but she was being pretty explicit in what she was seeing. And she was giving some pretty strong suggestions. I'm not going to tell you what those suggestions are because Real Game's still processing those and it's a little too soon, uh, which is, you know, just P.S. This is an editorial boundary, people, bloggers, podcasters. You don't need to say every single thing that's heading, <laughs> happening in your world at the very moment. So anyway, that's an ed- editorial. But um, because Mary is absolutely in the inner circle, um, I listen to her and I am in the process of making some changes so that I can be more healthy, less tired, less, um, so that when she looks at my face, she sees some energy. So, and when I look at my face in the mirror, I have some energy. So inner circle, I'm going to listen to her, even though that sort of goes against some of my grain. I mean, I love to create, I love to get it out there. I love to put it out there. And some of what tired means is, oh my, uh, you know, maybe it's time to do a little less of that. So you have that. There you have it. Okay, another example of someone that's on the very outer edge of the circle. And frankly, so I'll tell this story, not even in any one of the circles. So if I were to do this exercise and write my circles, this person would be, I wouldn't have even thought of this person. All right. They're not bad. They're not good. They're just not in, well, I shouldn't say that. They're, 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 <laughs> They're good in the sense of they're a human being loved by God, but they're not in my circles, okay? There are people that are loved by God, human beings, just not in your circles. Anyway, I posted something on Facebook, uh, and their response to me was angry. It was personal. It was mean. It really was. I mean, it was demeaning. It was very intense, and when I read it, oh man, I had the familiar shame wash and I had this, some of the thoughts, man, I shouldn't post stuff like this. And really the post was actually, anyway, it was, it was what posts are on Facebook, easily misunderstood. So I took it offline, we took it offline and we worked it out, human being to human being. We made some peace and we're going to, have to disagree on some things, but that's okay. That's all part of being human. But the fact is this person is not in my circles, okay? It's not in my circles, not even on the outer circle. So it doesn't mean a comment like that doesn't hurt, but it does mean when I read something like that, I need to immediately roll it through the grid of where are they in my circles? And if they're not even in like the fifth level out, I need to find a way to release it and sort of open the window, so to speak, and let it go. Honestly, let it go. One of my mentors one time told me, Steve, you're going to have to find a way as you get more and more public to not let everything in so deeply. It's so true. And so the way that I translated that was, all right, if someone in the inner circle tells me something, I'm going to give it a lot of weight. Something maybe in the second ring out, yep, I'm going to give it some weight. Third, fourth ring, less weight. And if they're not in the rings, you know, I'm really not going to give it much weight at all. 
good or bad. But here's the thing, like, so, you know, um, publishing a book and people talk about it and I love when people love it. I love, I really do love hearing this helped me change my life, whatever it is. And I'm hearing some of those. And please, gang, if that's you, feel free to let me know because I love it. But also it's important for me uh, that it's like that, if it's from someone who I don't know, that is nice to hear, but it's not, I'm not going to let it define me as like successful or not successful. Because when I get bad reviews and I've gotten some of those, same thing, gang, those those good reviews and bad reviews, when they're from people who are outside the circle, they have, frankly, to, to define you and to give you sort of definition and identity in your soul, you have to remember they don't have a lot of power. So um, if it's your boss, if it's, you know, you're a stranger, now your boss, you could say, really important person in your life, but in t- but if, if you have a hard relationship with your boss and it's brutal and it's tough, you know, important relationship, you got to have a relationship with your boss. But in terms of like, who are the people that I'm going to let affect my soul? And if your boss is not one of those people, remember that they don't, they, he, she only has the power to affect your soul to the degree that you let him in the inner circle. And so some of you may need to notice, oh my gosh, I've let this person this uh, person I'm having an ongoing Facebook argument with, or my boss, or a coworker, that frankly, you know, if you weren't in that, if 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 you didn't have to work for that person, they wouldn't even be in your circles. Then again, you need to say, "Oh my goodness, I've let them into the inner circle, and I need to push them out." Not aggressively, not even like by telling them anything, just on your personal understanding of your circles. You need to put them where they appropriately are, which may be a few circles out from the inner or maybe not even in the circles at all. So some of you need to do that exercise. It's like bring out a piece of paper, write a bunch of concentric circles on it, and then literally put the people that are in the appropriate circles in it and really identify some of those people that bring you angst and conflict and anxiety. I mean, if they're not in the inner circle and they don't need to be, kick them out. Again, you don't need to tell them. You probably shouldn't tell them. But just in your own understanding, kick them out. So uh, there's this fantastic and and amazing story about Jesus found in Luke 9. And uh, so the story of it, I mean, Luke 9 begins with Jesus sending out the 12 12 apostles. Uh, You know, he says, take nothing for your journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, money, uh, don't don't even bring two tunics. It's so funny. Just when you enter a house, stay there, and from there depart. And whoever doesn't deceive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust of your feet. It's like this amazing thing. Just accept the people who accept you. Don't accept the people who don't accept you. Notice your circles. And so they did that. And then they came back. And then Jesus, we read, he does the feeding of the 5,000, this miraculous thing with this large group of people all of whom he loved, but not all of whom were in his circles. And then Peter confesses Jesus as the Christ, this really weird and random series of events that seem unconnected, but I think they're very connected because in a sense, Luke 9, if you read it, it's talking all about the circles of Jesus' life. He's got these 12 apostles. He's got the 5,000 people. Then he's got Peter. He confesses Jesus as as the Christ. And then, uh, and then, Jesus says to everybody, if you're going to follow me, 
uh, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. It's like this really, really bizarre thing that's going to um, make his circles a lot slimmer because um, that's a pretty hard teaching. And then in verse 28, we read this. Now, about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James, and they went up on a mountain to pray. Now, stop right there. So what about the 12? I mean, so he took three up on the mountain to pray. What about the other nine? The other nine are sitting there going, how come we're not invited up on the mountain to pray? Well, we don't understand the reason why. We don't read the reason why. But there are times that Jesus says, hey, I need the three. I need my inner circle of people. And for him, I think there's lots of reasons to believe the human being Jesus, the Jesus that was limited, the Jesus that needed friends, sometimes took the three. So he took these three up on a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, we read, this bizarre thing happened. The appearance of his face was altered and his clothing became dazzling white. This vulnerable thing. Jesus shows these three who he is. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah. Oh my gosh, I don't even know what that means. Maybe it means that there's the law and there's the prophets standing there with Jesus who is um, going to transcend and include the law and the prophets in his very person. And he's going to become included. The law and the prophets will be included in this person, Jesus, but there will be more. I don't know. And then Peter and those who were with them, we read in verse 32, were heavy with sleep, even though all this is happening. So Jesus is standing there talking to Moses and Elijah in some bizarre metaphysical way. He is, his face is shining. He is showing himself as who he is, transcending and including the law. He is the Messiah who will make all things new. And they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. And as the men were parting from him, hey, see you later, Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good good that we are here. And I, I just want to stop right there. Master, before Peter makes the tries to make the three tabernacles, which is sort of a funny thing, which he does, he says, Master, it is good that we are here. Think about that. Thank you, Jesus, for including me in your inner circle. Thank you for making it possible for me to see this new thing. I don't totally understand it. I'm not going to pretend to totally understand it. I'm going to try to make three tabernacles to house the holy thing that I just saw because that's what human beings do. We try to create a box for these new experiences that we have, and that is okay. I think that's what we do. But Jesus is saying there's no way that three boxes is going to hold what you've just experienced. But I did want to show it to you. Now, Notice, Jesus doesn't do this with the 5,000 at the feeding of the 5,000. He could have. And if he would have, you could argue, oh my goodness, maybe many more people would have believed. Why didn't he show it to the 12? Why didn't he bring all the 12 up? I mean, the 12 are going to be sent out. The 12 are going to be as apostles. I mean, they're going to be doing some major big time work in the future. But Jesus chooses to show his glory in the transfiguration to three. It's just, there's a lot of questions we can ask in this, but one of the things that I think is important to wonder about is Jesus understood this idea of circles. He was going to reveal himself in the most tender and vulnerable way, and it must have been vulnerable to the three people that he was closest to. Fascinating, right? Fascinating. And we also include in some way 
in some metaphysical, transcendent, mysterious way, Moses and Elijah. You know, Elijah the prophet, Moses the person who led the children of Israel out of Egypt. In some transcendent way, they also are in the inner circle with Jesus. They also uh, are included with Jesus as those to whom he would trust his soul with. Moses and Elijah, these prophets, these leaders, Jesus who follows in, in, in their footsteps in a certain way, but also transcends what they did and did so much more. Moses and Elijah are included in this circle. So I think the question that um, would be helpful to walk away with is this, if you really were to take out a big sheet of paper, maybe it's a butcher block because it's going to have to be big, and you start writing your inner circle, first of all, write it as it actually is right now. Like, don't write it as you want it to be at first. Write it as it actually is. So, like, if you have a person in your inner circle, but they shouldn't be, but you know they're in there because you've given their words way too much weight uh, over the course of years maybe, and they need to get pushed out a little bit first, Write it as it actually is. So if your boss is in the inner circle, write it, write him in there. Write her in there. Uh, whoever else is in there, your spouse, your close friends. And then maybe the next circle out is the people that are um, your good friends, but you don't see them all the time. You know, probably in your inner circle, I'm going to say, you know, depending on your personality, it might be three or four people. It might be five, six, seven people. Um, probably is not more than, probably is not more than 12 or 15, even if you're an extrovert. And then you have this next circle out. And, and, you know, don't worry about making sure you get every single person that's in there. But just whoever comes to mind, next circle out, next circle out. Maybe try to make maybe four series of circles. And this is your relational world. Um, your coworkers, the people you interact with on a fairly regular basis. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to do with frequency with which you see them or talk to them. But, you know, the, the people that in your inner circle are those that you would entrust your soul to. The next layer out, lots and lots of trust, but not quite the inner circle. The next layer out are people that you're acquaintances with, you know, you enjoy, um, you are connected to, but are not your inner two circles. And then maybe the fourth layer out is just like, you know, very basic contacts of people. You might put Facebook in there. It's like, you know, uh, your old high school friends that you haven't seen in three years, but you're still connected to whatever it is. And this is, remember, this is not about excluding people. It's not about not loving people. It's about being honest about who it is that you're going to allow to tend to your soul. Uh, this is a soul care piece. This is um, the inner circle are the people that you're going to go to with big decisions in your life. So, and then I think the other thing, so, so then the second uh, exercise would be then once you've written what actually is, write what you want to be, write what you think is healthy and good. And for this one, all you need to do is just on the second exercise, just write the inner circle. Who do you really want to be in the inner circle? And then find a way of letting them know, you know, don't, maybe don't tell, don't send them an email and say, Hey, you're in the inner circle, but just, just find a way of saying, Hey, I want you to know, I really value your opinions. I value your thoughts. I appreciate your friendship, and you're just you're one of my you're one of my important people. I just I just want you to know that. I think this is an important piece for me anyway. Um, as I navigate, excuse me. <laughs> wow, 
<laughs> this is what you, do, you get when you don't edit. You just burp right there in the podcast. Now, this understanding of circles is really important for me as my life um, you know, begins to change in, in, with a book out there and, and lots and lots of different reactions. I, I, it's really important for me. You know, I can say names like Micah and like Charlie and like Becky and Rick. Um, Steve is in there. Um, Dave, he's in there. Lisa, Julie, Jeff. Uh, you know, there, there's there are others. I'm I'm uh, I didn't make a list right now. My inner circle. My I haven't actually you know written them down. I need to do the exercise as well. But uh, these are the people, gang. These are the people uh, that are that are important to me, and it's important to name them. So I hope this has been uh, encouraging to you. I almost didn't do this one because I thought circles, that's kind of dumb, kind of lame. Who really wants to know about this? But the more and more I thought about it, I thought, no, this is really important. I think it's an important thing. So I hope it's been helpful for you. I want to leave you with what's blowing my mind. I will put both of these links on the show notes. And you can find my show notes on my on my website, steveweens.com, W-I-E-N-S. And then just click on blog and you'll see the episode 24 called Circles and it'll just have links. It'll have links to buy my book and I'll have links to what's blowing my mind and anything else that I think is important for you to hear about what I've talked about. So the first thing that's blowing my mind is a little EP by a band called The Brilliance. Maybe you've heard of The Brilliance. I I had heard of them, but I saw them live uh, at the denominational gathering that I was at the Evangelical Covenant Church, who I love. Monday night, uh, the Brilliance did a concert and I just sat there and I loved it. Just such beautiful music of peacemaking. And the EP is called See the Love. I would encourage you to buy it on iTunes versus just streaming it. Let's support the artists that are doing good work in the world. I think it's $3.96 right now on iTunes, so it's not going to break the bank. Uh, I'm going to leave you with a little clip, just a just maybe a you know 20 seconds of one of the songs, uh, so you can get a taste of what it kind of sounds like right at the end. Uh, so and um, which is my favorite uh, song on the on the EP. The other thing that's blowing my mind, I'm reading right now. I'm about halfway through uh, a novel called Americana by this Nigerian author. I'm going to brutalize the name, which is part of the the problem here, but. Chimananda Ngozi Adidni. Sorry, my friend, for but you wrote a great novel. It's about this Nigerian woman who leaves Nigeria, goes to the United States on a work visa to work, and it's all, it's just, it's a love story. It's about race relations. It's really, really good. So uh, check that out. And also, um, if you haven't bought my book yet, um, man, Get in on the party. It's called Beginnings. I'll put the link to buying it. Um, and uh, friends, I also write a blog. And if you would like to subscribe to my blog and get the new posts just delivered right to your email inbox, I honestly blog about twice a week. Uh, the show notes are included in the blog. So if you wanted to get the show notes for This Good Word just delivered right to your email inbox on Thursday when the This Good Word comes out, just subscribe to my blog. I'll put the link right in my show notes this week. Stevebeans.com slash blog, uh, backslash blog, I think is what it is. And you can get all over that. All right, friends. Uh, it's just, it's always good to virtually be with you. I'm going to leave you with our mantra. We are dust and breath. We are limited and limitless. We are human 
and holy, and we are in it together. Grace and peace, my friends. Enjoy this tune uh, by The Brilliance. I'll just play about 20 seconds of it so you can get a taste of it. And then click on my show notes and actually buy hey, this for the everybody whole I was afraid to look at Grace and face. peace, friends. My only fault was the light and it was too bright. Come on. When I look into the face of my enemy, I see my Cause what's coursing through your veins is-